break the kind of break the tradition because yeah. so far the two episodes that we've done we kind of just like started talking and we, we never gave anyone the chance to even introduce themselves so so we're just gonna do maybe it episode three we'll start with <laughs> allowing our guests to say, say who they are <laughs> yeah actually introduce themselves yeah that's really funny Let's do this. Yeah, so um, Dennis, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today to um, What the Flick. Are we going to try the intro? Well, we're going to have to do that at some point, but. Okay. So should we just get that out of the way now? We could. One. What? (laughs) (laughs) I thought Um, you were saying not one, but what? Okay, yeah. I'm ready. What the flick on, on the third count. I'll say three and then we'll do it. This is my excellent direction today. So, one, two, three. What, what the flick? Excellent. I think we nailed it. I think we nailed it. But I guess what we're doing with this podcast is we're featuring, well, mainly IFCO members. Um, during this time of pandemic and just kind of checking in and finding out what, what everyone's doing and um, how how your artistic practice is being affected by, you know, everything that's going on these days. Um, but yeah, first, like, like let me, let, let us, in, you should introduce yourself. <laughs> All right. Well, my name is uh, Dennis Birkin. I've been making film since I was like 14 years old. And I aspired for a while to even have a career in it. I went to Concordia University. I did a year of uh, film production. And over the course of a few lost years in my 20s, I switched over and I became a software developer but I always kept doing, kept making films and shooting photographs on the side. So that's what I do now. I work, I have a day job, but I love to make movies and I continue to do so up until the beginning of the pandemic. I mean, I haven't done much since then, but, uh, but yeah, I really like doing it and I like talking about movies and I like working with other filmmakers and helping them out. So yeah, that's my thing. Tell us a little bit more about what got you interested in filmmaking. Well, I think it's because my father was a real big movie fan. And he used to take us to the movies all the time when we were young. And I think that's where I caught the bug. We had an old Super 8 movie camera at home that he used for home movies and stuff like that. So I got my hands on it, and that's when I started to make movies. And then that's when I realized the magic, because what movie making is, and I realized it even when I was like 15 years old, it's just a way to express yourself without saying it. So instead of going around saying, oh, I'm this, or I'm that, or I'm happy, sad, et cetera, et cetera, I make a movie about it and put it out there. It's a language. It's a way to communicate. So that's what appealed to me. And um, was it a conscious choice for you to, I guess, continue in that tradition and use uh, film Super 8 and 16? Or 
is that something that you came to kind of later on in the process? No, ever since day one, I shot, I shot Super 8 because when I did start shooting, that's all there was. There was no video back then anyway. And over the years, I never got the, uh, I never felt the urge to even dabble in video. Yeah, maybe a little bit here and there just for the fun of it. But I always liked Super 8. And because I grew up shooting it, I had confidence in my technical skills to use it. So I'm there. Yeah, I can, I can do whatever I want to do on video. I can do it on on the Super 8. And the reason I love Super 8 and film in general is because it is so imperfect. It's full of like, you know, you get your roll of, of uh, Super 8 back, it's got lines in it and it's kind of jittering a bit and it's got, it's kind of a bit out of focus and it's not exposed properly. All that adds to the beauty of the types of films I want to make because real life is imperfect. That's one of the realities. And when you try to shoot in a manner that's perfect all the time, it's kind of lame. It's kind of like, you know, every pixel has to be perfectly thought about whatever. Dullsville, you know, better just to <laughs> shoot, take what you have and embrace the imperfection and put it out there and make it uniquely yours and uniquely a part of your life. How do you guys feel? I mean, you guys, of course, I know shoot film as well. What's, uh, what is it that draws you to film? I, th I think you've, you've, you've nailed it perfectly. I also want to make the subtitle of our show not film, Dullsville. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Um, I, but I think you really captured it really nicely. I think there's, uh, you know, I, I what's Bob Ross's happy accidents or happy little clouds, like creating sort of beauty out of the unexpected to a certain extent. You don't know exactly what you're going to get with film. And I, I like that too. And, and that it is, yeah, that, that the grain in the film looks different than what you'll see digitally. And, and yeah, it's, it's, it is like, it's like painting instead of taking a photograph to a certain extent or whatever. That's probably in a, some bad art history textbook somewhere, but you know what I mean? I, I agree with you in terms of it, the imperfections of it, um, can kind of open up a lot of creative possibilities too that you you might not get if you're you know shooting digitally and you can see what you're making and delete 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 you know if it's not exactly what you want um whereas you have to kind of when you're shooting on film you you got you got to work with what you've got and that and that opens up possibilities so mm -hmm. yeah for sure i think it's a combination of that and also what Nina was talking about in the first episode is just like, I guess, shooting a film is kind of an event, you know, it's, um, it's kind of, it's more precious. And it's also more, a lot more hands on. You feel closer to the product in a certain way, just because like you get to touch it in, in, in a certain way. It's almost like, you know, cooking from scratch kind of thing <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, it's a good analogy. It's like you're cooking your film from scratch. But you're right. You can't touch it. You can hold it in your hand. You can smell it. It's got that unique smell. You're like, mm, I just got my Super 8 film back, you know? It smells so good. And you can, I don't know, it's just like you put it through the projector and makes a noise. Clink, 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 clink. It's just the whole process. So I would agree with you guys. It's really a unique experience, you know? So, so that's what appeals to me. And that's why I really like it. And that's why I, I continue to shoot film. Yeah. Can, you, can you tell us more about sort of the stories that you're interested in filming? Because, I mean, Charlton and I uh, have been privy to your great body of work and have seen many of your films. But, huge fans, you know, huge fans. <laughs> huge fans that's true huge fans you always you always get uh you always definitely get a reaction from me so maybe if you could talk a little bit more about where do your stories come from like what are maybe i'm reading a book about theater making and they talk about fetishes like in a creative way can you talk a little bit about what your interests are in that in that respect and what drives your storytelling well uh, thank you very much for the the comments about my films. I appreciate it. And I think what helps me to get inspiration is to talk to or listen to or watch other artists in whatever genre they're working in, but artists at my level, let's say hobbyists rather than professionals. So for example, if I watch a superhero film at the movie theater, but that doesn't inspire me in any way. I'm not going to go out and make a superhero film with an $80 million budget. We kind of <clears> want to <throat> see that though, Dennis, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> if I had the money, I would give it to you to create a superhero movie, but I don't. Oh, thanks. But, but if I talk to like people who are kind of on the fringe, people who are on the edge of the scene, people who are solo and just kind of doing doing it for the reasons the only reason they're doing it is for their own creative expression not to make money not to get likes not to be popular just no other reason but to take what's on the inside and put it out there and that applies to any artistic endeavor that they do that's what i get my inspiration because if i see someone like you or Sharolta put something out on up on the screen, like one of Sharolta's poetry films or something like that, or one of your Brienne out there type films that you do, then, then that's what inspires me too, because you guys are out there owning it. You're creating it. And you're saying, this is what I'm putting out there. World, you can take it. Hey, if you like it, great. If you don't like it, that's fine too. Don't watch it. So that's what I get inspired for. People who are individual, people who are trying to speak with their voice and just put it out there for the love of doing it. That's what inspires me. So where are you finding inspiration right now? We, we've, we've been talking a bit about this with people because I can speak from my own personal experience. Uh, isolation at, at first was in terms of creative output or outlook was difficult because I didn't have a, a grasp. I still have no idea what's going on, but you know what I mean? Uh, you know, how we, how we get inspired and, and you're speaking a lot about, you know, a community of artists that you're engaged in and that you're inspired by. So I'm curious how, how you're feeling right now and, and 
what your outlook is um, amidst this current, like our current circumstances and conditions. Well, you're right. It's a bit of a tough time to be making films. And I haven't shot that much new since this whole pandemic started. What I've been doing for inspiration is uh, luckily I have a lot of footage that I've shot that I haven't edited. And I get my inspiration from country music from the 1950s and the 60s. So I've been taking footage that I've shot before and I write my own country music and I uh, put it together and put it out on Vimeo. And uh, so that's what I've been doing. I take the lyrics that would typically go in a older country song and put this kind of horror movie music background to it. And yeah, and I grab a bunch of existing images and that's what I've been doing. So that's what I've been doing to keep my creative juices flowing. Again, bottom line, this is all temporary and you're right what's going to happen afterwards and i really like the idea about how quickly we're all going to jump into the roaring 20s because i think you know if we look at the last pan or not the last pandemic but the one in the 1919 i mean what came next like the roaring 20s was just 10 years of decadence and partying and Gatsby and just like all of that, it was a great time to be alive. And I think that's what's going to happen now because people don't appreciate things until they lose it. And here we are. Yeah, we're going out. We're making films, going to IFCO events, workshops, meeting people. But did we appreciate it? No. And away we go. And you are going to see a creative explosion like you've never seen before. And I'm really excited about what's going to come out of both of you, once all this ends, or even just as we get to the edge of it ending, it's going to be like, let's go over a year, year and a half, pent up on the inside. We're just like a nuclear, just ready to <laughs> launch. So that's what I think is going to happen. So in your ready to launch phase, Dennis, what are you going to do? What are you hoping to do? Once we're done. Yeah. What, do you have a project in mind that you want to do that you can do when, when things calm down or open up a bit more? Yes. I have a list. I have a Google doc that's got like 35 different film ideas that I'm just raring to go at. And as uh, soon as it's ready to do so, but it's not just if we back up, if we look big picture, one of the benefits of this pandemic is an opportunity for us to really assess what we were doing before the pandemic started, what we appreciate and what we miss and what we don't miss. So for example, I'm sure you guys, just like me, just like everyone, were like rats in a cage on a wheel, just going from one thing to another, to another, to another. And now all that is taken away. And what is it that we miss? And I'm sure your answers are going to be much different than mine. So if I say, if I say to myself, like, what is it do I miss? And what, what is it that I don't miss? Well, it's a period of evaluation. So once this ends, I'm going to go out there and focus, knowing that I've spent a year and a half trying to figure out what I really miss and go out there and just focus on that 
and let the other stuff just become chatter, noise, not worry about it so much. Um, but can you can you tell us a little bit about um, how you got involved with IFCO? And well, you're one of the longest standing members, I think. So I'd be curious to hear about how you, how you got involved in your experience over the years. So what happened, I lived in Ottawa for two periods in my life. The first period was from like 1990 to 1995 or something like that. And during that time, I joined IFCO as well. But what made making movies on film difficult then was the lack of computer editing. So in like 1993, if you shot a film on 16 millimeter, you had to edit it on a Steinbeck, meaning you have to go to IFCO and then you had to get to ship it off to a lab, a neck cutter, this, that, it just became complicated. So I kind of moved away from filmmaking for a while and I focused on photography. I moved away from Ottawa as well and I moved back. And when I moved back was the early 2000s and computer editing was just starting to come. And that was in the early days of when you can shoot on film, get it transferred digitally and then edit digitally, finish on, on uh, finish digitally, and then put it up on the web for uh, people to see. And I think that was the uh, turning point. And that was probably, I don't know, 2003, something like that. And that's when I joined IFCO, because then I saw there was so much potential there. Because before, filmmaking was almost the domain of the elite. Like you had to apply for grants and you had to get 10000 dollars and somebody had to vet your idea and people were there well dennis your idea does not pertain blah 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 you know you had to jump through hoops to make a film you had to get other people's approval but the emergence of digital editing which if go which doesn't take away from the aesthetic and the pleasure of shooting on film gave a voice to anybody anybody who wants to make a film can make one and especially now. And back then, that was the beginning of it. So I joined IFCO. I, I, I can't remember what year it was. Let's say 2003, 2004, something like that. And IFCO had some digital editing equipment. And, and then I was hooked. And then I'm there. This, this is where I want to be. This is where I want to hang out. These are my people. I mean, uh, what do you guys think? Do you guys ever feel... Maybe not so much now, but maybe when you were younger, like more beginning artists, intimidated in uh, certain ways, imposter syndrome, either going to these artist run, run centers or throughout other aspects of your creative endeavors. A hundred percent. No, I still do. One hundred percent. Yeah. Um. No, absolutely. It, imposter syndrome is real for sure. Yeah, like, but I, I think there's very few artists out there who go like, what I just made, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, you would just stop. Like if I actually did something I was happy with, I would probably just be like, I'm good. I'm done. Thank you. <laughs> I'll see you. Uh, I'm just going to sit here from now on uh, forever. So I, 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 
I agree that it, it is rare to find a space too where you don't feel that so intensely that you you don't do anything right like that you're just like I'm not you know I've had my moments where I'm like I can't participate in this and it's really just I don't want to because it's 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 hard to put yourself out there too and create things and and just let things some of these challenges we do I mean you're just like oh my god what did I do like what am I sharing with people so there is definitely an act of bravery in in a lot of the stuff that we do at IFCO because they are challenges you know film challenges with strict limitations you can't see things necessarily before you present them and um in some ways that helps you get over the imposter syndrome because you you're just you've you're given no choice but to show what you've done but i mean everyone's got to find their own path right everyone's on their own journey i remember i did a uh on behalf of ifco i went to the uh the ckcu for an interview and it was me and this other filmmaker and we only had like a, a 10 minute spot for a little spiel but what happened was the other people who were the other guests who were supposed to come on that show never showed up so me and this other filmmaker who's an ifco filmmaker had our, the whole hour to ourselves oh. and we got into this big debate that i mean just a like a nice guy debate. And what it was is he was saying, if you're a filmmaker, he goes, you've got to be in the industry. Cause he was like in the biz. And he was like, you know, this week I'm in Montreal and next week I'm in Toronto and the week after I'm in Vancouver and the week after I'm back in Montreal. And he's going, and that's, he goes, I, you know, that's, I'm a, a filmmaker because I work and I do it and I'm that. And I'm there. My advice to someone who wants to be a filmmaker is to go get a law degree or a degree in engineering or a degree in computer science, get some job, take your money, don't buy an SUV, don't buy some expensive house, don't buy a 57 inch TV, don't buy any of that, don't fall into that consumer trap, take the money that you make and throw it into your films on the side. And, and I'm not saying I was right, I'm not like, don't get me wrong, I'm not here like preaching. I, and I know, and maybe I've got stuff to learn as well. But that was from my point of view, that was my argument. And he was there like, you are not a filmmaker. You are, you are an infidel, you know? And, uh, and yeah, and I'm there, well, you know, you're probably have no energy to make your own films if you're running from Montreal, Vancouver, Toronto, shooting someone else's films. Anyway, so we went back and forth for an hour, for an hour on that. I don't know how many, uh, how many listeners they lost. <laughs> <laughs> during that time it's like uh i was there yeah these two crazies um yeah so where can people i know that you have a website and you, you mentioned the vimeo would you mind telling us where people can find your films yeah my films and photographs and my photographs i've uh in the process of redoing my website but it's uh like 90% done. It's awake at dawn.ca. It used to be calm, but I changed it to CA. And uh, yeah, all my all my films are there. I've got a Vimeo account, you can search under my name, but awake at dawn.ca is a good place to, uh, to uh, start. And I'll put in the notes. For yeah. the show. Well, thank awesome. you so much. Yeah, gonna, this was really great. We got good stuff here. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed this episode. Goodbye for now. Not film. Dullsville.